Hi, my name's Grant Geiger, and I have the privilege this morning, in the absence of Pastor Darren and Lori, who are on holidays, to introduce our guest speaker this morning, who is Mike Mohorder. And uh, come on up, Mike. <laughs> uh, Mike is, uh, serves with our uh, Fellowship Pacific and has been a pastor for 38 years, I believe, and his last stay was in Ladner. How, how long were you in Ladner? 16 years. 16 years. So... Uh, well-rounded. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Grant. <laughs> that was unrehearsed. Okay. Um, so Mike works with the Fellowship Pacific and is involved with the Connect team, which mm -hmm. is about, which is uh, involved in pastoral placement. And uh, Mike is here today with his wife, Kathy, and they have four children and 21 grandkids. And... And there's a verse in the Bible that talks about having your, uh, blessed is a man who has his quiver full. Well, bless you. And uh, I pray that you would, uh, uh, let me pray for you right. as we you. Uh, uh, start this morning. Father, thank you uh, for the privilege of meeting together and online, Father. Thank you for Mike and his love for you and the call that you have placed on his heart for ministry. Uh, Father, as he... Uh, um, speaks of your word this morning. I pray that you would give him wisdom. I pray that you would help us to listen, to understand, and to respond to your gospel this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. It is uh, really nice to be able to be with you this morning. Uh, we were here, I was here just They told me, um, don't put this too close to my mouth because you'd hear me breathing. But I thought, well, maybe that's the only way you'll know that I'm still awake. But uh, are we okay now? They're okay, great. <laughs> I was here uh, two years ago last Sunday. The rows were all scattered around. You know, the restrictions had not been lifted for that long. And uh, yeah. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. But um, as uh, Grant mentioned, I am with Fellowship Pacific. And uh, if you're not that familiar with uh, our fellowship of churches, we are about 100 churches uh, in the BC and Yukon and a few others scattered across the country. And we've just recently gone through a rebranding process and we've come up with a new tagline, Boldly Forward, Never Alone. This is what we want, we want to be known as and we want to actually be is a group of churches that, are, that are, are moving forward with confidence and faith and boldness, but we're doing it together. Uh, this tagline fits really well with, um, with our vision, which is to innovatively develop relationships and resources that propel every fellowship Pacific church to be accountable to our shared gospel mandate. And, um, and so the innovation part is, is important, the propelling part, moving forward. Also, our mission is to leverage the collective strength of our churches. This is the no, not alone, never alone, together, uh, in order to produce a God-honoring impact. 
And I want to thank this church for your involvement in the fellowship, your commitment to uh, us being able to fulfill our mission and vision, and just the, the legacy of this congregation. We appreciate your, your staff and, uh, and your congregation. We, appreciate, we've, we, we have been inspired by the way you have reached out into your community and um, and just so applause for you. Um, when I was here two years ago, I don't know whether any of us expected to still be dealing with COVID two years later. Um, we're almost two and a half years into this pandemic. It's a historic time. None of us has ever had to go through something like this. And it feels like we're coming out of it. At least we, we, we tell ourselves COVID's a thing of the past, but more people are catching it now than ever. Just in the last three months, most of my local family, the local as in the lower mainland, has got it, including Kathy and myself. And uh, it just, we're still trying to figure out where we are. Um, it's been a hard time for businesses and schools and camps and governments and churches. Pastors have been really feeling the stress. We, um, um, our Connect team deals with pastoral placement, but we also deal with other matters of church health, whether it's um, uh, discipleship or church planting, uh, conflict resolution, um, we just we try to be there to serve our churches in any way that we can um, to help them. And, and our pastors are going through a tough time. Uh, none of us ever had a course in seminary on how to pastor in a global pandemic. When just so many things changed and they were shifting so much, we were pushed out of our comfort zone. They were worried about finances and initially... Finances remain strong, but you know, as this thing drags on, some churches are struggling. Um, we've had to cope with divisions in the churches over masks and vaccines and government restrictions. And we're just, you know, we're, we're coming out of this not sure what our congregations are going to look like. Um, attendance is kind of up and down. You probably have experienced that here. Um, of course, it's summer, so everybody <laughs> leaves in the summertime, right? But uh, I have read estimates that it, we could be seeing, we could be losing 20% of our congregations across Canada. Some are still not feeling safe, and if you're um, attending this service right now online, we want to uh, want to thank you for inviting us into your home. Um, some have just left the church. Some have gotten complacent, and congregations are tired having to deal with new technologies, boards are struggling, volunteers. And if you're feeling that way at all, I just want you to know you're not alone. Everybody seems just a little more tense and on edge. We frequently hear words like languishing and fatigue. Um, and for many of us, our relationship with the Lord has languished as we've tried to cope with COVID on top of everything else that's happening in our lives. But God is still in control. 
And we are going to get through this. And we are learning things from this time that will help us be better and do better in the future. So I want to take the next few minutes to encourage you and challenge you as you go through struggles in your life and as you seek to be the church here in Ladysmith. The passage we're looking at is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So this is only one verse that we're going to focus on, but notice the first word is therefore. And that, that word points back to what was said beforehand. In this case, it seems to be a, verse 58 seems to be a summary application of all that he said in chapter 15. So based on the last 57 verses that you could, that, uh, that this is what you should do. And this is an amazing chapter. This is theologically an extremely important chapter um, dealing with the resurrection of Jesus and its, its implications to us and our lives and, and our deaths. Um, but we want to just, it's way too much to look at it in one sermon, so I want to take a couple of minutes and at least help us put this verse into context. Paul begins by talking about the gospel in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So he starts out by reminding them about the gospel. They had heard it. They believed it. They took their stand on it. They're trusting in it and living by it. And this gospel is the means of their salvation. Notice that cautionary word there, if you hold firmly to it. And he goes on to talk about what the gospel is. Verse 3, for what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised the third, on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. <coughs> so this is the gospel. That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, he rose again, and is alive. The fact that he is alive was witnessed by hundreds of people, most of whom were still alive when Paul was writing this. But he also... Paul also personally encountered Jesus. So although he hadn't seen Jesus in the flesh, he knew he was alive. So he goes on in this chapter to say that the resurrection is essential. If Jesus was still dead, our faith is useless. We would be better off to just party. 
But because Jesus is alive, we too will be raised from the dead. There's more than just this life to look forward to. So death isn't the end. Jesus conquered death. He is alive. He's with us right now. All of our loved ones who died in Christ will come alive again. And we will live after death. Jesus is coming back for us. He will, we will be raised from the dead with new glorified bodies. Whether I'll still be well-rounded at that point, who knows. But we will live with Him for eternity. Death has been swallowed up in victory. God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. <coughs> now, this isn't just some kind of pep talk. This isn't a, a power of positive thinking soundbite. Jesus died for our sins. He rose victorious over death. As a result, we too will live. In Christ, we win. Victorious over that final enemy, death. It no longer has a sting. Um, it no longer defeats us. Jesus defeated it. And that ought to affect how we move forward. So based on the truth of the Gospel, how can we keep going and thrive even when things get tough? Three things I just want to point out from this verse. The first one is stand strong. The first two parts of this are similar. Stand firm, let nothing move you. Um, in the Greek, these, these are two words. The first word is, means solid, unwavering. And the second word means unmovable, secure, firm. So together, they give the image of, of standing strong with both feet planted firmly. Now, it's pretty easy to stand strong and unmovable when nothing is pushing against you. The problem is when things get tough. There are lots of things that can shake our faith that can stagger us, can move us. Unanswered questions and doubts can really mess us up. Maybe some of your kids have experienced that as they've gone off to university and had their faith challenged in a very antagonistic way. Um, it's interesting that the original temptation was, has God really said? And, and we're still experiencing those same kind of struggles as we as we go through questions and, and doubts. Um, criticism and rejection. It's hard to stand strong and unmovable when, when you're constantly being criticized or you're being rejected by people that mean a lot to you. Temptation can move us. A global pandemic can shake our faith. Uncertainty. What's, what's going to happen next in the world? Let me see. We've got fires and we've got floods and we've got wars and we've got famines and and we've got a recession, what else is going to happen? And then just the difficulties of life, money problems, relationship problems, 
health problems, job problems. It's in the tough times that our faith is really tested when we see whether it is real or not. Because anyone can stand in the good times. It's the hard times that prove our faith. How can we stand strong in these hard times? Now, there's an important thing to notice. Well, a couple things I want us to, that, that help us stand strong in the hard times. The first is that we have each other. This whole verse is in the plural. He's talking to the church now. He's not just talking to individuals. He's talking to the group. We're not in this alone. We're in this together. We help each other stand strong. Jude writes about that too in Jude 20 and 21, where he says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Um, So stand firm, let nothing move you, be steadfast, unmovable. And it's easier said than done, but we also have Jesus to help us. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9 says, He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And also in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Stand strong. Stand strong. The second thing is to work hard, to work together, both hard and smart. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now there's quite a bit to unpack here. The verse uses two words for work. The first is where he says to always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And then at the end of the verse it says, for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So work and labor. And uh, they both have a little different flavor. The first word, work, is the most commonly word, this most common word translated work in the New Testament. Um, it means a, a job, a task, uh, work. The word is actually ergo. We get words like ergonomics from, from this. And the focus is on the task itself. Like, I got a lot of work done today, which I, I, it means I accomplished some things today. The other word is the word labor, and this comes from a word uh, to punch or to beat. (laughs) And um, it is a word that emphasizes the effort involved and the impact that the work has on us. This is what we mean when we say, man, that was a lot of work. So you put these two words together, and you see that serving God Being the church is hard work. If we're going to be effective, there's there's just a lot to do 
And it's going to take time and effort and sacrifice. It's going to impact us. It's going to cost us. It's just hard work. But he doesn't just say to work here. He says to give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And that word means abounding, excelling. It's a word of abundance. It's a word of excess. It's, it's, it's a word that means more than enough. So it's not just enough to teach that class or to lead that group um, or whatever it is that you do in, in service to the Lord. You need to give yourselves fully to it. It's kind of embarrassing in my life, and, and I've also observed it in the odd person, that sometimes we do as little as necessary to get by. Um, in my first church, we didn't have a building, and, uh, and so we converted my basement into a, a, a large a meeting room uh, where my secretary would spend and then a little office for me. And <clears throat> we did it... Uh, people from the church came in and did it. And, and we had uh, a doctor in the congregation who was just really handy. He could do anything. But um, as we would be working on this, if something wasn't quite right and it wasn't going to show, he would just say, yeah, it's okay. It won't show. I said, you know, remind me of this when, if I ever have to have surgery by you. Um, <clears throat> But, but now, he was also the, like the hardest working person I've ever met just about. So uh, this is not a criticism of him. But, it, but, but there is that tendency sometimes that, you know, this doesn't really matter that much. It's not really that big a deal. Just do enough to get by. It says here to give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The sad reality is that in most churches, most of the work gets done by very few very common principle that gets shared around is called the Pareto Principle, which was a, an Italian economist from hundreds of years ago who, who came up with a theory that 80% of the wealth of a nation is held in the hands of 20% of its, of its population. And that since that time, that principle has been extrapolated into a lot of different areas. Uh, perhaps we tend to overgeneralize it, but, it's, but it is true if you think <clears throat> about... 80% of the giving of a congregation is usually given by 20% of the people. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, if you're lucky. Um, and, and, and so the principle tends to kind of hold in a lot of different areas of life. That was never God's plan for the church. In fact, one of the most common pictures of the church in the New Testament is of a body. And a, and a few times, Paul Paul you know, he talks about how the body all works together. Every part has its, has its place. And you know, the fact that you, you know this personally, that you, you, are, you are in your best health when your whole body is working together for you. And if something stops working, unless it's something like your heart or your brain, um, the rest of you can still live, you can still get by, but, but the rest of the body has to work harder to compensate for it. God's desire for you, God's desire for your church is that all of you would work hard at it 
abound, excel. Give yourselves fully to the work. It says to do that always. Always give yourselves fully. So we have to work hard. But we also have to work smart. It says always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We need to make sure that what we do is the work of the Lord. So we're not just here to make work, to do whatever we feel like doing, or necessarily even everything that we see ought to be done. We need to make sure that it is what God wants us to do. We need to work smart. And we do it again together, plural, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So work hard and smart together. And then finally, it's worth it. What you do is worth it. Please take heart that what you do for God matters. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yes, there are going to be times that stretch us to the breaking point, that threaten our faith, Yes, serving the Lord is hard work that requires something of us and it takes something out of us. But it is worth it. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you do for God matters. It matters right now. Right now, You have children who need to see what faithfulness and godliness looks like in their parents and their church family. Right now, there are youth who need to see that there's more to life than what their friends or their movies or their music tells them there. Right now, there are lonely people who need a church family that cares about them and cares for them. Right now, there are people all around you who need to hear that God loves them, that He paid the ultimate price so that they could have forgiveness and cleansing and become part of God's forever family. Right now, what we do for God matters. Right now, even in a pandemic, maybe even more in a pandemic, what we do matters. But what we do also matters for eternity, not just for right now, but for eternity. There is more to life than this life. That's what this whole chapter is emphasizing and underlining for us. Death doesn't win. Jesus won, so we win. So what we do here has eternal impact. People are in heaven today because this church has worked for God for the last, what, almost 45 years? Kids have been shepherded through their childhood and the youth because of what you have done here. Families have been saved have been nurtured, have been started through 
what you have done as a congregation. Please know that all, with, with all your heart, that what you do for God matters. It's worth it. And all this is possible because of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins and rose again. By His grace, we are part of His family. And someday He will come back for us and we will live forever with Him. So My prayer for you is that, that, that God would, would empower and guide you moving forward. That His heart would motivate you in your mission. That His smile would encourage you as you follow Jesus together with a passion for God and a compassion for people. Because it matters. It's worth it. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Ocean View Community Church. I thank you for everyone who has and is and will be a part of this church family. I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them and continue to use them in a powerful way to bring hope and faith to this community. And encourage their hearts, whatever they're going through right now, encourage them that you are there to strengthen, guide, and bring us home. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.